coming. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. The man of the hour. And let me tell you something, Daddy. When you're the man, you make history every time you step foot in this ring. And that's the bottom line. Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 72 of the Top Sweet Wrestling Podcast. We're about to hop into it, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Fighter Fest breakdown, main card breakdown. I'm going to hop into that. All Elite Wrestling. Also, I'm going to hop into Seth Rollins, the player hater of the year. We're going to hop into a lot of stuff. If you look at the topics, we have a lot of topics to hop into. So, no best thing, finish thing this week. I'm no number one spot this week. We just have a lot of things to hop into. So, we're going to hop into them right now. You can find all of my links at linktr.ee slash two sweet pipe. That's where you can find the podcast. And I'm everywhere, as I say every week YouTube, Periscope, iTunes. The list goes on and on. On Twitter, at two sweet pipe and at OMG Great B. So we're going to hop into this thing right now. If you're looking on YouTube, if you're looking on Periscope, obviously you see a picture that says, Welcome to the Player Haters Ball. And <laughs> Seth Rollins. Would be just the king of the player haters ball right now. I'm just I'm gonna get right on into it. Obviously, player haters ball. Dave's old Dave Chappelle skit for the Dave Chappelle show, where all the haters got together and they crowned the player hater and at the, at the player hater ball. So they had a player hater ball 2019. Seth Rollins would be the king. So we had. I'm telling you, this podcast was gonna be all Seth Rollins. And Fighter Fest at one point. And then we had a lot of stories that come out that changed the course. So we're going to hop into Seth Rollins. He got into it with Will Ospreay. And we're going to hop into that next. What we're going to hop into first is his comments on John Moxley. Did you not hear this or see this? I had a... Went on a Sports Illustrated podcast and... He really went at John Moxley, if I may say so myself. I'm just going to get into some of the quotes... I said he, he got his big boy pants on. Said he's a big boy and he can say whatever he wants. That's all fine and well. I was like, okay, that's you know what, that's cool. But he went on. Went on to say not everyone is equipped to handle the rigors of WWE mentally and emotionally. Uh, he went on to say that I think it's a little presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk down about a company that gave him such opportunities. At the end of the day, he took his ball and went home, or he went elsewhere at least. Man, I said, at the end of the day, we share different perspectives about what we want out of life and where we're at in our lives. My goodness, man. So if I can just jump into a little bit of this, if I can break a few of these comments down, because he said a lot more than that, I just cut it down. Uh, the part where he says not everyone is equipped to handle the rigors of WWE and the schedule, how it affects you mentally and emotionally. Like, why you got to take a shot at Ambrose, man? I know that in part is true, but you know what Ambrose went through, man. Like, where does he come off saying that? And the part that hit me the most is where he goes on to say that he took his ball and went home or he went elsewhere at least you know the man went to AEW like at the end of the day they had the rock and stick with me here they had the rock come out when Steve Austin walked out on WWE they had the rock come out and say Steve Austin took his ball and went home Uh, people say CM Punk took his ball and went home and both of those guys had legitimate reasons for walking out I've never criticized them about about that John Moxley didn't take his ball and go home. 
John Moxley played the whole season upset and then he left. Like, the dude didn't take his ball and go home. That's a horrible statement to make on Seth Rollins' part. I just, in my opinion, I, in the last statement, I think it's a little presumptu- presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk down about a company that gave him such opportunities. John Moxley gave credit to WWE. It's like all Seth Rollins wanted to hear was the negative stuff. But at the end of the day, when he, when, if you go back and listen to the John Moxley podcast, toward the beginning, he gave WWE a lot of credit uh, for what for the positions that they put him in. He even said, I met my wife there. He gave him credit. So I don't know where, where does Seth Rollins come off? Talking about John Moxley, as if John Moxley didn't get put as a joke of a character for a lot of months and a lot of time in WWE had a lot of title reigns did some good stuff but if you look at Seth Rollins he's lived a charmed existence and Seth Rollins oh sure it's easy for Seth Rollins to say we disagree because Seth Rollins has been booked greatly there's only been but a few times where I've looked at Seth Rollins running WWE and I've said oh man they're really messing him up just off the top of my head now when he initially won the WWE title when he the money in the bank cash in at WrestleMania throughout that run they they really treated him as Triple H's lackey yeah, but even then he had the title I didn't like what they were doing with them but he had the title I just recently when he won that elimination match that got him over really well with the fans he was the number one guy in the company over with the fans and they just didn't use the guy it took him forever to put the title on Seth Rollins I didn't like that but he was still being built up he's lived a charm existence he hasn't been treated like a joke for the most part of his career he hasn't had to go through the loony Dean Ambrose stuff that uh, Dean Ambrose had to go through so it's very easy for him to look down on John Moxley and talk about how he shouldn't be saying what he was saying and I just find that very I don't want to say hypocritical just like why what is the point what are you getting out of that I understand that Seth Rollins has to defend the company I don't have no problems with that but you do not have to go at John Moxley so moving on we move on to Seth Rollins told you that at one point this was all going to be Seth Rollins but gladly some more stories came along Seth Rollins with that Will Ospreay and it all started when Seth Rollins said that we have the best. I'm gonna shorten this up as well. He said they have WWE has the best pro wrestling in the world, and that's like an eye roll. And he doubled down on it. For me, when he doubled down, that's like he was seeking out attention. Like you could have left it at that we have the best pro wrestling in the world, but he doubled down on it and went into depth. And that's when everybody came out, and you had all these guys coming out. Uh, Tamatango, Roman Reigns coming out, Chris Jericho coming out, everybody came out, but in particular, Will Ospreay came out on his first tweet and said that uh, something to the effect of, I'm still here, I'm alive, that's what he said, and Seth Rollins, we talk about hate, 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 he did the rare double hate, we hated on Will Ospreay and threw one of his compadres under the bus, and Looking at it, he said that he addressed Will Ospreay. And he pretty much said, we got a better version of you, Will Ospreay. And he has the United States Championship, little guy. And here's the thing. You want to call somebody little guy. Will Ospreay and Seth Rollins is about the same height. So you, you don't get the chance to call somebody little guy when you're not 
all that much taller than him or probably not even taller than him at all and here's the other thing you kind of threw ricochet under the bus too you, you're pretty much saying oh ricochet is our little guy and he, he, he's a better version of you just throw ricochet under the bus i'll hate 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 in the mortal words of ice tea that's what Seth Rollins, every time he spoke this week or tweeted this week, that's what I saw. I hate, 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 hate. And this thing, man, when you go on to say that WWE has the best pro grabs, the best pro wrestling in the world, you better be ready for the backlash because that is just not true if you look at promotions across the world. WWE doesn't even have the best wrestling amongst WWE. NXT does. And here's the thing, man. When Seth Rollins says pro wrestling, I hope he knows that his boss is ashamed, ashamed of the words pro wrestling, professional wrestling, to the point to where it's it's blackballed in WWE to say wrestling. You got to say sports entertainment or else or be kicked out. So look, man, Seth Rollins on the podcast. He even said that he's tired of the haters coming at WWE. And I understand, like I said earlier, Seth Rollins is the Universal Champion. He has to speak positively about the company. He's the guy who wants to talk up the company. I have no problems with that. But you better be ready for the backlash when you say things like this that aren't true. So that's my thoughts on Seth Rollins with Osprey. At the end of the day, both guys have points. And everybody has a point to a certain extent, although I just do not agree with Seth Rollins that WWE has the best pro wrestling in the world. That's just not their thing. It could be their thing, but they choose for it not to be. So moving on, I don't want to spend all of the time talking about Rollins and Osprey and Rollins and Ambrose, but we're moving on actually to Rollins and Becky Lynch. I have to talk about this uh, because Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, uh, Seth Rollins retained his title and on Monday Night Raw, Baron Corbin comes out. We have a mixed tag match for Extreme Rules, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch uh, versus Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin. Look, man, this is not a good thing. First of all, I don't like it because Becky Lynch comes off as Seth Rollins' girlfriend and nothing more than that. She is the top draw in the company. She should not just be that. At the end of the day, I do not like that. Also, at the end of the day, this is just a bad match, man. This is, and I'm a WCW fan to my heart, this is WCW 2000 bad. You have a mixed tag team match where both of the belts are on the line. Winner take all. That is a horrible idea. Is Russo still booking? And... Looking at it from this standpoint, they are holding up the titles. When you separate both of those, when you, when you put, excuse me, when you put those titles together, you put them in one big field when you can have them separate uh, as Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch could be moving on to other people. Like, uh, the titles are all caught up in one field. What are the women supposed to do? Like, uh, what is the rest of the division supposed to do for the men? We have Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans yet again. Lacey Evans has no business getting another shot. She just got beat twice cleanly in the middle of the ring. She just tapped out. So why is she getting another title shot? I don't understand that at all. And I do not like the match. So moving on from Seth Rollins totally. We had The Undertaker show up. Surprise, surprise. And he showed up to help out Roman Reigns. And I got to say that it made no sense whatsoever. But it was very shocking. 
it was great to see the Undertaker, and for the most part, that is how you're supposed to use him. Like, have him just show up. You don't have to promote him. You don't have to have him in a match with another 50-year-old guy in Goldberg. Just have him show up and just wreck shop. The crowd loved it. Everybody on Twitter loved it. Although, when you look at the storyline, here's the deal. You have to make it make sense. Why is Undertaker coming out to help Roman Reigns for all, for all sakes? They, I won't say they're enemies, but the last time we saw those guys, they weren't, they weren't getting along. I'm just saying. And also, here's what I don't like about this. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. This should have been the summer feud. Instead, you have two 50-year-old guys that you feel like you have to throw into the feud to juice it up because you've screwed it up that badly. You wouldn't give Drew McIntyre a win, and now we have what we have. Undertaker in a tag match, at the end of the day, it helps Undertaker because he doesn't have to be involved in the entire match. Uh, Roman Reigns can carry the match, and he can tag Undertaker in, and Undertaker can give his greatest hits, old school, all of that good stuff. So it's going to be a decent match, but the storyline makes no sense whatsoever. So moving on, rapid fire edition of the Two Sweet Podcast. Going to keep the topics moving. We have the two out of three falls stipulation. Like, here it is, man. WWE is a billion dollar company, and they cannot figure out how to take commercials anymore. <laughs> they set this new rule that they wouldn't take commercial breaks while wrestling was going on. And when I heard that initially, I was like, all right, that's a wonderful idea. I'm all with it. But here's the deal. They skirted around the issue by having a bunch of two out of three falls matches. And at the end of the day, I'm sitting there like, this is what we're, we're suffering with now. 10,000 two out of three falls matches. You might as well have kept the commercial breaks if you weren't going to figure it out right. That's just my opinion. So uh, I'm just not feeling it. All of these two out of three falls matches. I look at Twitter. I see everybody else not feeling it as well. And it's just stupid when you can't figure out when to take a commercial break. Like I said, you're a billion dollar company for goodness sakes. Get that right. We don't need a million two out of three falls matches every week because it hinders the stipulation when we do have a big uh, match. When we do want to put it two out of three falls, it's not going to be important anymore when we go to do it because we've seen a thousand of them already. So moving on to Io Shirai, Shirai, excuse me, Ah, she had a wonderful match with Shayna Baszler they had a great match the match eventually broke down I'm not a really a big fan of people getting involved in cage matches I didn't like it here but towards the end the match really picked up uh, when Candice LeRae came in she hit a dive off the top EO hit a moonsault off the top the crowd was going crazy at the end of the day Shayna Baszler would go on to pick up the victory again I don't like that who's left for Shayna Baszler but something very interesting happened we had an EO Shirai heel turn and I loved every bit of it. I don't know where it's going. I see laid out Candice LeRae beat her down. And it was very interesting. The crowd was very invested. I was very invested. I just jumped right on Twitter and said, Eo Shirai Hill turn with an exclamation point. It was well done. And I want to see where it goes next. I am very, very interested in it. Eo the hill i cannot wait to see where it goes so moving on we're gonna move on to fox ladies and gentlemen and 
Look, man. Fox is upset, to say the least. And this comes from Brad Shepard's podcast, Oh You Didn't Know Podcast. And it basically said, according to a source in WWE, certain folks at Fox are not impressed with this week's numbers. Our WWE stomach grounds included and are meeting this weekend with Vince, Triple H, Stephanie, and a couple of producers to address any concerns and changes. Now, I do not like it when television execs get involved with the changes toward a company that normally never works out. I've never heard a good story about a television getting involved with wrestling and giving their ideas and having something work out. It just normally never works, and I don't think it'll work here. Here's the, the deal, man. WWE is under a lot of pressure to put forth those ratings or to bring big ratings to Fox when they move to Fox this October, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this October. And if they keep putting on the same programming, look, it ain't going to work. I'm going to get into what their strategy is later, but they have to change their strategy and they have to be the ones to come up with the right idea, not the television execs at Fox. I did find this story very interesting because we haven't even gotten close to October yet. We're still in the summer. We haven't gotten to... Uh, the fall yet and we are already we are already having these conversations so moving on to the next story uh this was from the brad shepherd's podcast as well the oh you didn't know podcast they said that wwe has a reported strategy for dealing with the competition from aew in october their strategy is this according to a high level source in wwe the company strategy uh, is just which wwe show isn't just about which excuse me isn't just about which wwe show will be will be the a show but it's about wwe presenting themselves as the a pro wrestling slash sports entertainment company as AEW airs on tnt here's the deal man i don't know what their strategy is but i know what their strategy needs to be I've been saying this for weeks now. It's like a running theme on my podcast. Just let the girls and the guys go. Just let them wrestle their tails off. That needs to be their strategy. I don't think it will be their strategy as long as Vince McMahon is in the company. And I'm sad to see that, but it is what it is. I hope that changes into their strategy because they have one of the best rosters in the world. It would work wonders. But... We'll see how that all turns out. Moving on to the last topic of the day before Fighter Fest. Before I hop into that, Kenny Omega, a WWE placed an event, an Evolve event on the date of Fight for the Fallen for AEW. And Kenny Omega was not uh, happy with that. He went on to tweet, if lining your pockets with blood money is okay, then what's wrong with trying to undermine a charity show for victims of gun violence? I hear that healthy competition is supposed to be a good thing, and yet I can't help but feel like I'm going to be sick. Here's the deal. He brings up a fantastic point. Like, what is the point of WWE putting this event the same day as Fight for the Fallen? I don't like it whatsoever. I Kenny Omega has a fantastic point, but at the end of the day... WWE can do whatever it is that they want to do. Like, I'm not taking a side here. I'm more so in the middle. WWE can, if they want to put their Evolve event uh, on the same day as Fight for the Ballin, they can do that. Is it a petty thing to do? It sure is a petty thing to do. Would I have liked to have seen it not be 
Ah, this date sure I wouldn't have liked to have seen it be this date but it is what it is WWE can do as they please and at the end of the day Kenny Omega can feel as he please because he has certainly has a point to what he is saying but like I said at the end of the day business and business is business and WWE can do as they please so moving on to AEW Fighter Fest this is gonna be quite the interesting pay-per-view this is we're gonna go through the main card I, it more so feels like a secondary pay-per-view if I'm being totally honest but it's free so here's the deal I will be watching it I think I would have been watching it regardless but with it being free definitely I'll be uh, looking at it so moving on to the card we have Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Lucha versus the Lucha Brothers and Laredo, Laredo Kid. I could very well see this being the main event of the evening. This should be a phenomenal matchup. Uh, it, it's tough because we don't get any build leading into Fighter Fest with AEW not being on TV. We've got some wonderful build with Road to Fighter Fest on YouTube. That's been wonderful. I've enjoyed that. But it's, it's tough going into pay-per-view, breaking down the pay-per-view without much build. The match itself will be phenomenal. It will be a fast-paced match. I'm looking forward to that. At the end of the day, who will get the victory here? I am going to go with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks to get the victory. Kenny Omega needs a victory after taking a loss to Chris Jericho at the opening event. So he needs to pick up this victory here. He needs to be the one to get the pin and they will pick up the victory here next up john moxley versus joey janela the bad boy joey janela uh, when you look at road to fighter fest this has been the best built up match i gotta say and i'm very interested in it i uh, joined janela very interesting character john moxley i his very first match in pretty much his very first match in aew and who will be your winner here? It should be a fantastic matchup. I'm very much looking forward to it. And John Moxley will be your winner here. No doubt whatsoever. You cannot have the guy take a loss in his first match at AEW. He will pick up the dub here. So moving on, we got Cody versus Darby Allen. And look. Darby Allen, I have been very interested in him. I've learned a lot about him. I didn't previously know a whole lot about him, but through looking up things throughout the internet, I've been keeping up with this guy, and he's a very interesting. I think the draw with him, he has wrestling ability, but the real draw with him is his character. The crowd loves his character, and I love a good character. I'm old school wrestling fan. Draw me in with your character. Everybody nowadays can wrestle a good match. Seemingly everybody. Everybody can fly around seemingly, but not everybody has a fantastic character. And that's what Darby has here. He has a fantastic character. He's going head up with Cody. At the end of the day, this one is a tough one, if I'm being totally honest. I can see Cody taking a back seat and letting Darby get the victory here. But if I'm putting my money on it, I can see it being a phenomenal matchup. Cody gives Darby a lot of offense, gives him a lot of hope and promise uh, to pull off the victory. But at the end of the day, Cody goes on to pick up the win. So moving on, as we look at the main card, 
We have Hangman Page versus MJF versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy. This is a candidate for match of the night. I love me some MJ. I love everybody in this matchup, if I'm being totally honest with you. But MJF, I told you I'm an old school wrestling fan. I love characters. And MJF is a character, to say the least. I said, if I'm not mistaken, going into the last pay-per-view, I said, watch out for MJF. This guy could steal a show with this character. And he completely stole the show. I wasn't uh, either last month or a couple of months ago. One of the two when they had the pay-per-view. He was great going at Bret Hart and great in the Battle Royal as well. At the end of the day, this is going to be a phenomenal matchup. As for your winner... I think Hangman Page has to win this. Jimmy Havoc, another great character. Jungle Boy, I like as well. They should make for a phenomenal matchup. I am looking forward to it. But Hangman Page going into his title shot with Chris Jericho at All Out. He should be the one to pick up the champ, the win here before heading into that championship match with Chris Jericho. So moving on, we have Christopher Daniels versus Shima. And Shima, I had a very great showing at the last pay-per-view. He did a phenomenal job. And look, this is going to be a really good match. Christopher Daniels somehow is still going. The man is old and he hasn't lost a step seemingly. Still, well, I can't say that Christopher Daniels back in TNA, but he still resembles something of that the guy can still go, and I find that very impressive. I love me some Christopher Daniels. Uh, Christopher Daniels, they just saw some more Joe. Love those guys. And he can still go. This should be a phenomenal match. A sneaky candidate for a match of the night, if I'm being honest. At the end of the day, SCU... Mm, Christopher Daniels here I'm gonna go with Shima If I'm being honest here to pick up the victory I think he needs a win I think he will pick up the win Versus Christopher Daniels Moving on Nala Rose versus Rio Versus Yuka Zakizaki And uh, this is gonna be a great match Rio and Yuka had a phenomenal showing At the last pay-per-view Rio if I'm not mistaken, she's the one that took the beating in that match. My goodness, she took a beating in that match. And Yuka is pretty much, if I can borrow a phrase from Io, another genius of the sky. So this should be a phenomenal matchup. Nyla Rose is the power of the trio here. And I'm very much looking forward to these matches. The ladies had a phenomenal show phenomenal showing overall at the most recent pay-per-view uh, both matches was great and i enjoyed uh all of those matches as for your winner here i am going to go with nala rose to pick up the victory here this should be a phenomenal match another sneaky candidate very sneaky uh, candidate for match of the night so that is my coverage for the main card of AEW Fighter Fest. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Let me know your thoughts on the pay-per-view of all of the topics that I covered here. Any of your thoughts that you have uh, on any of the topics. Let me know whether that's in the YouTube comments on Periscope or on Twitter. At OMG or at 2SweetPOD.